script is now wine splattered, which I feel like is fitting. (laughs) And we're back for episode five, where we discuss Sex in the City episode by episode. We will be exploring how the story shaped our understanding of being a modern woman. 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 What sexuality can be. And other naughty bits. I'm Zimmy, your cultural sex guide. And I'm Britt, your super sex positive pop culture geek. And this is Funky funky spunk. Spunk. Let's do it to it, honey. Okay, let's let's dive into this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes of the first season. I think we say that about all of the episodes, though. Yes. Dang. Oh. All right. I'll start looking for not favorites, maybe. So for this episode, and I guess moving forward, too, I... I want to talk about one thing. I feel like, and let me know if you agree, I feel like I have been trying to be more gender neutral. Mm. And I feel like sometimes watching this show, rewatching it, I almost slip back into these gender norms. Yes. And I think with this episode specifically, it's not just female sexuality. No. It's just sexuality in general. And I want to challenge ourselves to kind of look at it that way. I really love and support this because it is easy to fall into bad habits no matter how much we have learned, educated, said damn gender as a whole. Right. And this show has been off the air for 20 years. So I hope that we have learned something and moved (laughs) forward. So let's see. So this is not just about what Zimmy and I learned about our sexuality through this show, but it is also how we have matured and can look back at this show and recognize problematic aspects, but also be like, Still fucking rules. Yeah. And maybe help other people to who are maybe looking to change their vernacular to be more gender neutral as perfect. well. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, let's jump into it, Brett. Okay, cool. Um, so this episode, it all starts with ball sack, which <laughs> everything should start with ball sack. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. That's actually the worst thing that things should start with. You're but I'm a here great for it. Start. <laughs> <laughs> But essentially, it begins with Carrie and Samantha trying to get into the hottest New York restaurant called Ballsack. Um, right, I think it's Ballzack. Well, no matter what, I'm going to keep saying Ballsack. <laughs> <laughs> it is supposed to be Ballsack, right? I think it's Ballzack. Yeah, but that's just a play on Ballsack. No? Okay. Well, listeners, listeners what do you think? <laughs> Wow, we have a disagreement right off the bat. Right off the bat. (laughs) True to form. Yep. Uh, (laughs) So Sam tries to get them into this restaurant. She is claiming that they are people. She owns her own PR firm. And Carrie is a news column uh, journalist. They're not people, especially in New York. So Sam's upset she can't get in. Meanwhile, Carrie leaves and she goes on to drown her sorrows in shoes at Dolce & Gabbana. Where her credit card is declined and it's the classic like he walks up to her, gives her a dirty look and cuts the card right in front of her face and says the credit card company wants to speak to you. I know. Has that ever happened to you? Well, no. I mean, my card being declined. Yes. Somebody trying to cut it up in front of me. No. I've I've never seen anyone cut up any credit cards, but I imagine that that would be mortifying. It would be mortifying, especially in a place like, actually, I think it'd be less mortifying in a place like Dolce & Gabbana because... Well, if I'm maxed out and can't afford $600 shoes. That's true. That's... Carrie doesn't seem to be that mortified by it. No, she just seems to take it so nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. 
But I thought that I, I do wonder if that's ever happened to somebody because I feel like in the 90s and the early 2000s, we saw a lot of scenes where people were having their credit cards cut up in front of them. Absolutely. So I don't know if you ever had your credit card cut up in front of you, you can anonymously tell us and we will laugh by ourselves and then just we are not gonna laugh at our listeners you know what don't tell us <laughs> i don't know i might laugh it might be a good story i'd love to know if you were ashamed i'd be ashamed but then later i would be telling it on a podcast so here we are so we meet amelita <laughs> okay we meet amelita and amelita is what carrie says some would call euro trash mm. but she is just spectacular she's a citizen of the world she's a citizen she's gorgeous mm. she's tall mm. she has long beautiful hair preach and her accent mm. i could listen to her laugh forever so good i am about to be a sugar daddy for her yes talk unfortunately to me. for her i don't have any credit cards that can fit dolce and cabana shoes on them negative yeah, yeah. she's she's not calling us no she's not um but she runs into carrie buys the shoes for carrie on her current boyfriend's credit card which carlo carlo zimmy will you ever buy buying me shoes when my credit card's declined i hope so i hope so too well i hope i don't want your credit card to be declined but i would love to buy you shoes (sighs) especially pretty pretty shoes oh Good friends right there. Unfortunately, I <laughs> I'm don't here think, for you. Unfortunately, I think we're a little far, far away from this. We're a little off. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Let's get back on it. <laughs> um, but this leads Carrie to start to wonder where the line between the professional girlfriend and just plain professional comes in. This is plot A. This is her article of the week. Mm-hmm. She's met Amelita before. Yes. And they talk about being best friends and Carrie's like, we've hung out like four times. Yeah. But it's not like this is a new thing to her. It no. just probably came to fruition because she's been rejected at Balzac. Her credit card's been declined. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this spectacular woman leaps into her life and displays this life of luxury that she has just kind of seemingly popped into. Yeah. In New York, being an incredibly small world, she runs into Amelita a couple more nights, um, all of which are at Balzac. Balzac. Well, Amelita calls her up late Uh-oh. night. Okay, fair. You're right. Yeah. Carrie's trying to save some money, stay in. They're playing like a little poker. Playing go- girls poker night. Yeah. I get to talk shit about uh, about my favorite character here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Amelita gives her a call and Carrie was like, well, I mean, I do have these Dolce & Gabbana shoes. Meanwhile, she's like, I am in bed in pajamas. Zimmy, how many times do you think you have gotten out of bed and put on clothes to go out because somebody called you? After you've already had the pajamas on. I mean, pro- in my 20s, probably all of the time. Yeah. I actually had a moment where I kind of missed that part of my life for a brief second. Because mm. that's just kind of like the spontaneity that leads to what is usually a weird night. Right. Not always great. I had one where it was bad. I ended up at a strip club. I lost my license and my credit card. So... We're going to have to jump into that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't great. <laughs> this is why I want to hear your shame stories, because listen to me. I was at a strip card and I lost everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dude, where's my car movement? <laughs> it really was. Um, it was also a Monday night. It was not good. Uh, another way that Carrie and I are different. But Carrie straps on her dolces. She looks spectacular. She wears one of my favorite dresses of the season. Mm-hmm. It is that beautiful silver gown that like, oh. 
so pretty. Only her body type could wear that. She has a great body yeah. for those oh. kind of naked dresses. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no lump to cling. And she heads back to Balzac. And meets a gentleman who is out there with Amelita and her partner from the Dolce & Gabbana show. That's yeah. relevant because there's another one later. Yeah. She meets Amelita and her fabulous foreign friends, including Gilles. Gilles. And Gilles is this beautiful French architect. And she has a great night. She orders, they have wine and she's out late and... They have such a good night. And then they meet up again. They have a great time. We get a cute romantic montage. She's wearing a fantastic boa that I just wish was more acceptable to wear in everyday life. The way it's filmed, though, you almost know that she's in this like kind of dreamland where Mm -hmm. she almost knows that it's not real. It's not sustainable and that she maybe shouldn't be in it. But leans in. But and leans I like in. It. Yeah. She could go either way at one point and then mm-hmm. just kind of leans in. So you're almost getting that like conflict in her head based on the filming during that scene. Yes, absolutely. And during this scene, she also mentions that she's a little cash poor at the moment, which we as the audience are aware. And which is weird. I wouldn't I would not mention that on a date. I feel like I've definitely mentioned that on a date, but mostly because I've been cash poor for my whole life. Okay, so you're trying to, we got a little Amelita on our hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll find out about that later. We'll find out. <laughs> but <laughs> she goes back to his hotel. They, she makes a joke about how she doesn't sleep with people she's known for less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Decides it's tomorrow in Paris anyway. Sleeps with him. And then in this really sweet moment, he gets up to leave, gives her a kiss, tells her she's beautiful in bed, which we all want to hear because we all know that we're actually kind of just like sleeping monsters. And then says, order room service and leaves. And as he leaves, Carrie finds an envelope with a thousand dollars in cash in it. Mm -hmm. No number. No number. But but a thousand (laughs) dollars. Dude, I don't. Maybe I could be be a professional maybe <laughs> um that would be very enticing <laughs> and she ordered yeah she ordered she orders room service she invites miranda and samantha over and they're talking about sexuality you, yep uh so while they were at carrie's house they were discussing the power of their sexuality because charlotte brings up that there's this big artist neville morgan he's a painter that's going to come to her gallery and he wants a private meeting with her and she starts to wonder if this meeting is a well she's a gallery owner and that would make sense or if it's a private mm-hmm. wink a private showing private private and of course true to form miranda is is a no-go on this miranda's like i will we will sue his ass yeah hard and pass. meanwhile i on the couch was also like yeah sue his ass me too movement <laughs> <laughs> where, is- where is samantha is like, fuck yeah, do it. Yeah. Which, also true to form. Yeah, exactly. But this begins the other debate of the episode. So while Carrie is trying to figure out what this difference is, um, the episode is also starting to wonder, like, can sexuality be traded for power? I mean, she's clearly uncomfortable with it. She doesn't, she wants to pay for the room service. Yeah. But also, I mean, she says she's going to write it off as a really bad date with a cash bonus. <laughs> she's kind of into it. I mean thousand dollars well she's not returning it and turns out that could buy her a couple pairs of dolces i don't know about a couple probably not a couple that was probably like half of rent in new york city at the time oh probably god i could use a thousand dollars anyway um so this also while they're at the apartment 
Uh, Skipper comes to pick Miranda up. She's immediately annoyed because he's an hour early. And oh, he is immediately annoying. <laughs> immediately annoying. I'm team Miranda on this. Oh, it's so nice, though. He was like, I can just wait out in the hallway. That wasn't nice. That was weird and awkward. That made it even worse. It was kind of weird and awkward. Yeah, and then, I, I think it's more awkward later on in the episode when he's like, I'm obsessed with the sex. I don't even shower afterwards. Shows up at Gary's door unannounced to tell her how sexually obsessed he is with Miranda and that he's not showering. Meanwhile, Carrie has one of her like Carrie ultimately is not a funny character. Mm. She has moments, but there's like there's the scene. He says that he doesn't even shower because he likes to smell Miranda for the rest of the day. And Carrie's holding his hands and is like, okay. and pulls away. I want to I want to pull back for a second. I think Carrie is hilarious. I think she's got like those like mom joke, dad joke zingers occasionally that are just so corny. And I really like them. Uh, this is one of her funnier episodes. She had a lot of zingers this whole episode. Yeah. But I think in terms of being like a comedic actor, like physical acting is never her you know she's not a big hand talker and like she's no kramer you know and i think this was a really good moment for her on just a physical funny level i agree she's more subtle Mm -hmm. like with her eyes she uses her facial features but they're very subtle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so skippy gets weird skippy gets creepy (laughs) we move on well we don't move on god i want us to move on it'll be fine (laughs) so carrie's you know getting cash bonuses and meanwhile Shar has decided to go visit the artist in the country and finds his current his current system or his current collection his collection, collection. that's what the word's called mm-hmm. um which is all cunts mm. how do you feel about the word cunt i love it i think we yeah? should all use it more i feel impartial about it i don't have negative feelings or positive feelings but they do touch on the fact that charlotte hates the word cunt she does she does <laughs> but this artist doesn't and his wife no. doesn't and he talks about it like this magical it's the closest that he's ever come to like discovering god or something i mean yeah, he's talking in life, about it in a really a- positive way which it- i think is a, a very it's a contrast to what people typically think that word is it is beautiful it is a, his little monologue there talking about how he is so inspired by the vagina is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I kind of like all the art. So do you pose for it? No. No? And he goes, cool. So we'll do that in like 30 minutes. Mm. Motherfucker, if, you gotta, if you're going to draw my vagina, I would like to, one, check in on it. Two, maybe do a wax or trim or... Or maintenance in some capacity, like exfoliation, perhaps. He's he's an artist. He probably wants it in its truest form. I know, but that's exactly why I'd say, no, I can't handle that. I want to inspect my own before you get to. Mm. Which, yeah, that was a weird sentence. I would do it. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's because you believe models are the canvas. I do. Mm -hmm. Models are art and therefore the vagina. Exactly. Natural art. Draw me like one of your French guns. Yep, good work. So Charlotte does it. And we later see them at the gallery. Uh, the end of the episode is the girls reunited at the gallery looking at all the cunt photos or art pieces. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to guess which one's uh, Charlotte's. And it's just such a precious moment. It's like such a precious moment of female friendship and female camaraderie. Yes, they jump in and they're super supportive. Yep. All of them are super supportive. And I love that. I want to talk about something really important, though which I have labeled as the tampon power shift. Oh, yes. That's an important thing that I forgot about already. 
So towards the end of the episode, Carrie is still sort of on the fence about like where she, how she wants to wield her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And she runs into Amelita again at the restaurant. New partner, goes different back friends. To Balzac. Which is clearly so hot that people have been three times. Yes. So she goes back and, and Amelita introduces her to a new man. And also cute ultimately decides that she does not want to join the table. She's been rejected from Balzac, but she's just going to use the restroom. She's going to go. She's going to forget this whole thing. He does an ass grab and she's like, "Mm -mm, Mm -mm, no, I'm out. So she goes to the restroom. Meanwhile, she's been rejected at this restaurant by herself twice by this hostess. (laughs) And while in the bathroom, the hostess asks for a tampon and Carrie out of just true kindness gives her the tampon. I would argue true womanness. Like kindness, what? But we, I mean, gen, like this kindness is not gender fair, 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 specific. Fair. Yeah, it is out of kindness that she gives her a tampon, and there is a power shift there. And mm-hmm. the hostess is grateful and allows her and Samantha to get into the restaurant. Is that using your sexuality for that power shift? I think it's less of a type of sexuality, but more still a trading of a service for power. Mm -hmm. recognizing that that woman is in a vulnerable state. I think that's more of like recognizing that moment of vulnerability and knowing that, sure, if you give kindness in that moment, that that creates the power shift. But I don't think it's so much of sexuality as much as it is vulnerability. I agree. Do you think, though, that Carrie was even thinking about the power shift when she offered the tampon over? Or was she was just like, that was just an inherent kindness? I think it was inherent. You know, we we talk about being able to see core character traits. And I do think that is Carrie right there in a nutshell in general when we discuss her as a general character. I agree. This this is so much about her personality and it Mm -hmm. starts to uh, kind of hone in why we start to love her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as our hero through the entire series. Yep. She doesn't stay my hero forever. There's a period where she's not my hero. But Britt, we agreed on that. We agreed on like most of it. Well, not all of it, but most <laughs> of it. So I'm uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. We, Britt and I are going to debate a topic. Uh, this week, we are debating whether to use your sexuality or whether to not use your sexuality in order to get ahead. We'll each have one minute on the clock to debate our point. And then after that, we get to ask each other a question in rebuttal. And then you guys, as our listeners, get to go on to our Instagram and vote. You ready? I am ready. Okay, three, two, go. I am pro using your sexuality. I think that as adults, we work on ourselves so much for physical fitness, for uh, mental stability, for we go to school to get better at whatever major that we're in. And I think that we should use our beauty in order to better ourselves. It's a beauty capital that we sometimes keep to ourselves because it's taboo. But why wouldn't we show the best part of ourselves in order to create the best environment for us? I'm not saying manipulate other people, but I do think appreciating beauty and showing that to the world in order to create a better environment for us is a positive thing. Time. Okay. I feel good about that. Do you? I do. I feel like I'm going to destroy you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Okay, I have a one minute on the clock. Britt, are you ready? I am ready. Ready, go. So I don't believe in using your sexuality in the form of power for exchange um, to get in something further. And I don't believe so kind of similarly to the beginning of your argument. We do so much to work on ourselves and that should be self-worth, right? So when we work out, it should be for our own strength and our own exercise and health. And when we're increasing our education, that should be for us in our own pursuit of our happiness and our life. And for the folks that are able to use the privilege of their beauty, which I would argue is a privilege because you don't really get to choose it. Um, you can you can adjust it in terms of maybe a hair color or like you can be thoughtful about the diet you're eating so that you're staying a certain physical shape that you want to be. But overall, beauty is a privilege. And I think we work so hard to create ourselves as well-rounded people that we should be able to utilize all of those merits to get what we want. Done. Um. So listeners, feel free to vote on Brit being the better debater here. Nope, I get to ask you a question. I know, but I want them to vote for me. Excellent. Not listening. I have a question for you, Brit. Mm -hmm. When you get ready for a job interview, do you shower, brush your hair, put on makeup, deodorant, and an outfit? Yes. Why do you do that? Because there is still an ex societal expectation about how you present yourself in certain aspects. So yes, you put on a suit and you have to look like you've maintained your hair because those are, you know, first impressions. It tells them that you're able to get up and get somewhere on time. And that in itself is worth telling people. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you are putting your best foot forward. Yes. Okie doke. Well, great. Do you have a question for me? <laughs> Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I do have an antidote for that because I often, you guys, I have great hair. I have really good hair. You do have great hair. And when I have the rare bad hair day or the rare lazy day that I'm not going to do my hair, I often wonder whether the person on the other side of the table on an interview would know I didn't do my hair that day. Like they don't know what my good hair, they don't know I'm usually at a eight with my hair days and then I showed up with a six. They don't know. I love how good you feel about your hair. <laughs> <laughs> I feel great about it. Anyway. But that's kind of using your beauty. I mean, you feel confident about your beauty. You brush it. You wash it. You maintain it. No, I feel confident about creating a holistic impression right off the get-go. Okay. One that says I can clean myself and I am capable of the job that I'm applying for. I do think that I'm being unfair and asking you too many questions. So well, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question now. It's almost like I'm attacking you. So please go ahead, ask me a question. My question for you is what doesn't that create a level of inherent inequity? What do you mean? Like when you think about New York City, for instance, and we'll backtrack to the Modelizer episode where we talked about how men want to date ex explicitly just models and then we're talking about this one where all of the characters in sex in the city are gorgeous and everybody amelina was hanging out with is gorgeous so is it unfair that folks who are less of this gorgeous less of this esteem don't get to utilize their sexuality in that same level of power they don't get to wield it for power but they could wield it for power if they chose to these these particular group of this particular group of people decided that this was one of their best assets and they were going to put it forward into society and get what they could from it. I mean, there's an entire industry based off of it, like models. And I 
I think that if that's what you've decided is one of your best assets, I think that should be celebrated. But you don't get to decide it. It's thrust upon you because you don't get a choice in it. Genetics. Why do you not get a choice in it? Genetics are only a piece of it. You go get your hair done. You go get your nails done. You went Which and worked, all look great, by the way. You went and worked out with me yesterday. These Which are was terrible, by the way. These are all things that we do to to change our, not just, but these are all things that we do to adjust our appearance. And everyone has the, not everybody, but some people do have the opportunity to do that. And if they have the opportunity to do that, they've decided that they're good at it and they're going to use it as one of their top five characteristics to express to the world. I don't think that they should be demonized for that. So I think what it comes down to, and we can move on after this, but I'm going to go ahead and say my last word here. Uh, I think what this comes down to is consistently you have been arguing that beauty in this instance, in the modelizer episode um, with the models and such, beauty is based on an external source of power. Whereas I think I'm arguing that things like getting my hair done or showing up properly well-groomed to an interview or whatever is more for me and myself and my own confidence rather than being perceived as I think that's incredibly unfair and you're twisting my words I didn't say that people weren't getting things done to make themselves feel better I just think that it if it shows on the outside and they've decided to present that in the world as such that they shouldn't be demonized I didn't say that it wasn't an inner beauty thing or for mental wellness as well but we've talked about enough uh, of this we want to hear from you so go on to instagram at funky spunk podcast and let us know what you think uh, vote on the poll comment on the posts and let us know what you think we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back funky spunk podcast is brought to you by steno denver a rad boutique co-working space in the lovely city park west neighborhood of denver if you are looking for a new place to work or you want to get those small businesses out of the basement seriously go check out steno it's a beautiful space you're going to meet some amazing people and our listeners will get two free weeks of co-working just head to their website at stenodenver.com and use the promo code funky spunk Welcome back to our final segment. Britt, what's it called? Sexpert. Yeah, sexpert? Sexpert. You sounded British. <laughs> I'm channeling Amelita. That's not true. I think she's Italian. I know. And I, mean, I can't do accents. She's a citizen of the world. She's a citizen of the world. And I can't do accents. I can drink wine like she could, though. She mm -hmm. was only seen drinking wine once, but I'm enjoying my bottle of wine that we're drinking right now. Ooh, and her fun cigarette with the cigarette holder. I have never smoked a cigarette in my life, but you, it is embarrassing how badly I want to be a cigarette holder smoker. I know. It started with Corella DeVille. Like really, the, the tobacco industry got in early with Disney and it hooked me in a way that I'll never forget the beauty of smoking with a cigarette holder, even that's, though I've never smoked. It's a whole nother podcast I on know. its own. Where I it believe is, I'm still in the lead, right? Yeah. You've, you've been in the lead the whole time. Yeah. Just out front, way out front. And I'm just chilling in the back. Are you going to break late? Are you going to pull a Kentucky Derby horse? Yes. I'm definitely going to break late. I want the bottle. I, I had know. to, I had to come up with a new question on the fly because 
she actually answered one earlier in the episode. So I'm super Which impressed. is a bummer because that would have been an easy win for me. Yeah. So damn on me. Not anymore. Okay. You learned your lesson. Mm. Just let me talk all the time. Uh, I'm just well. kidding. <laughs> well, 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 well. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Number one, Carol Davis or Amelita is a model, musician, actress, performer, novelist, and animal activist. Holy shit. That is too many beautiful things for one gorgeous human to be. I know. The question, Uh which iconic musician did she write a song for, for which the album went on to win a Grammy in 1987? Holy bananas. I have no idea. I'm thinking it's not as big as Michael Jackson or Prince. Dido. No. Dido's 90s. Uh, Depeche Mode. No. Okay, Zimmy is giving me such intense looks. <laughs> so for her not giving me any hints, I, fine. We will go with Prince, even though I think Prince is too famous to have somebody like her write a song for him. Was is it Bruce Springsteen? Which one would you like it to be? Prince or Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> <laughs> or Dido? <laughs> or Depeche Mode? Depeche Mode. <laughs> 80s music is not my strong suit. Uh, what's a female 80s artist? I don't want to give you these because I'm going <laughs> to give it away. Stop asking me questions. Okay, so it is a female 80s artist, which is not good. Is that Madonna? There's no way. Is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah. For the sake of time of this podcast, it's got to be my final <laughs> Go answer. Go on and on and on. Because I could just continue to name people I'm not entirely or confident were artists in the 80s. So, Madonna. Madonna, your final answer. Yeah. You are incorrect. Oh, and you're going to be so pissed. Oh, my God. It's Prince. No fucking way! <laughs> what? Yep. God, I'm an idiot. Mm. How many times did I say Prince? Does that count? Does the amount of times I say Prince actually bump out the Madonna answer? Absolutely not. You got that wrong. Okay, number two. The restaurant, Balzac. Balzac. Featured in this episode is real along with most of the restaurants that the core four visit throughout the series. However, there are two from the series that are not real. What restaurants are they? I'm looking for two answers here. I pulled a Brit. (laughs) I am upset because I can't even think of another title of a restaurant. I can't even think of the coffee shop that Big Met carry at that we discussed like a week ago. Mm. And you could have had all that confidence going in if you had just stuck with Prince too. Mm. So I'm looking just, for two answers here. Twist that knife. <laughs> just twist. Um, I literally can't think of another restaurant in this fucking show. So we'll just make up. Think of think of specific episodes later on in the series where they're sitting around talking with each other and maybe what they're wearing. I know that that is a hint because you know I remember the fashion of the show more than any other detail. And I want you to remember that I'm giving you hints. I know I do see this but it's not this is not I don't pay attention because I assumed they were all fake. Why would somebody name their restaurant Ballsack? Ballsack. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't name it Ballsack. They named it Ballsack. Which they knew everybody would call it ball sack. Um, okay, we're going to go with their favorite brunch spot is fake. And the restaurant cheese is fake. Those are my final answers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are your final answers. Those are my final answers. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Balzac, I think, is a is a musician. Unfamiliar. Have you ever seen The Music Man? No. We got trouble right here in River City. 
If any of you know what I'm talking about, comment. Yeah, somebody will enjoy that. Meanwhile, I just still feel like I look like a deer in headlights. The two restaurants that are fake are La Delure Exquisite. I'm probably fucking that up, that name up, by the way. Um, but is the S&M restaurant that Sam's PR firm is. Oh, I never would have gotten that name. I do remember the S&M restaurant, but never Especially a French name. And then the second restaurant is Raw, where Samantha meets Smith Jared. Oh, Raw is the most ridiculous restaurant concept. And when I was trying to think of other future restaurants in the show, I literally did picture the scene of them in Raw and walking around with like the celery on the plate. Like I pictured that. I'm sorry, you think that Raw is the most ridiculous restaurant concept and not the SM, S&M restaurant where people are walking around with their ass cheeks out? Uh, I think that's called X-Bar in Denver. I would like my dinner sans ass cheeks, please. I'm pro <laughs> ass cheeks at dinner. This one's going to be a lot easier. In what year did Dolce & Gabbana launch their label? Fashion label, in case you were wondering. Dolce & Gabbana, I would estimate, launched it... Probably in the late 70s, early 80s. Like, I feel like they're on the newer end. Let's go with 1982. I feel like Dolce & Gabbana wanted to move fashion away from the, like, Studio 54 type hippy-dippy bell-bottom world. And I can't picture vintage Dolce & Gabbana of that level. Where 1982, is that? is that your final answer? Yeah. Yeah. You are incorrect. Well, shocking. Pretty close, though. 1985. Dang! hmm I logic that well. Okay. I feel really good about that. Guess. I really like your uh, your thought process and that whole thing. Yeah. I'm going to give you a half a fake point. Half a fake point is going to get me to my bottle of champagne. These are fake points anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we want to hear from you. So definitely go onto our Instagram account at Funky Spunk Podcast. Vote on the poll. Also message us. We want to know how you feel about using just sexuality in general. If you have a good story... Or if you have a story where you might have been able to use it and you chose not to, we can share it anonymously. Obviously, we don't want to out folks. But if you want to share that, we would love to create a whole discussion around what this looks like for anybody listening to the podcast and talk to us personally because, you know, we like people too. We love people. Thanks for listening. Funky Spunk is brought to you by a Vague Idea Podcast Network and recorded at Steno, Denver. You can listen to Funky Spunk at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have questions or comments, follow us on Instagram at Funky Spunk Podcast or email us at FunkySpunkPodcast at Gmail. Chat with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.